Many of you know that when Pastor Scott wears a tie and a jacket, something's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. I'm, I'm giving a little bit of anxiety just getting sweaty here with this giant thing on. However, we're going to just intro this a little bit for our new guests. Those who haven't been here for a couple of weeks, we're talking about the resurrection and, and what that is, why we have a resurrection, and then when the resurrection is are going to occur. So if you have it, your Google Calendar, if you grab that from your phone, the resurrection will happen on November 20. Just kidding. But in all honesty, that, that, is, that is how a lot of people have been kind of bait and hooked into coming into a relationship with Jesus. That there's some sort of event that's coming up, so I have to feel a little bit of anxiety about that. And we're going to get into all that. But we've already covered two extremely important questions about the resurrection. Pastor Mike did an amazing job two weeks ago talking about why we have a resurrection. And last week, I was just theologically, here's some ideas about what we're going to be like in the resurrection. Will I have the same color eyes? Do I go to the bathroom? Do I work? Log on to our website and look at last week's sermon because I'm not going to go through that a second time. It was exhausting, to be totally honest, because it's me just postulating from Scripture and the glimpses we get of people who are resurrected, but it is so, so important. And as Pastor Mike said two weeks ago and as I said last week, it is one of the most undeveloped lines of theological questioning that we do as a church because there's a lot of possibilities and also, a lot of dangers in that. As I looked and started researching about this week, friends, there are thousands of bogus prophecies currently floating about when Jesus is coming back. Thousands. And I had this great idea of having one person come up and do the Price is Right game, where I do the high-low. You know that game? Where you have a, you have a, a thing of dish soap, you say, is it $2.99 higher, $2.89 lower, you know, and you go up and down. And I just got very sad because of all the different options of numbers of dates. I'm pretty sure there's, there's a prophecy that today Jesus is coming back. We're all going to end. And it could happen. It could happen. The roof of this place can be torn off and we'll just all get ascend and, and some of us won't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in all this, I thought a better review game and also to set up this sermon really well is one of my favorite and all-time greatest moments of being a pastor here, that is Bible Jeopardy. All right. If you're online, please type in the answers in the chat. You're seven minutes behind us, so no matter how fast you are on the typing, you're not going to be in live version, but please type in the chat. Jackson will be playing along with you. If you are in this place, we have a line right here on this middle pole. This side, you are this team. This side, you are that team. So far, and I've been keeping close track, this team has been a little bit better, historically. That team, that team, you, you got some weight to pull now. Now, you know, and, and, and honestly, in the back, you have all the answers. You do realize that, that team, right? You have, you have the control, dude. Just kidding. Don't do that. What we do is I'll ask a answer. You can just shout out in the form of a? The answer to my answer. Now, we go through the correct way. We go 100, 200, 300. There is a daily double in today's Bible Jeopardy round. There is a daily double in today's Bible Jeopardy round. That is not just for one person. That is for the entire team, whoever has control of the board. So the other team, if you give them the answer, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. Here are the categories for today's Bible Jeopardy. First, we have resurrection scripture. Next, out of time. And finally, potpourri. <laughs> potpourri is just a little bit of everything, Okay. Interestingly enough, all the categories have double consonants of the same consonant. I just love that kind of stuff. Okay, with that in mind, we did a coin flip, and 
that team you're going to pick. Click the category of that team. Potpourri for 100. Nothing against the fruit. The Grapes of Wrath was written by this author. Who is John Steinbeck? All I heard is, blah, blah, blah. I'm not that deaf, okay? Correct. Well done. Well done. And amazingly, this team, you have just uncovered now and for 200, the Video Daily Double. We got to get the sound for that. Let's try it again. And you have uncovered the Video Daily Double. There it is. There it is. Nothing like a good play sound effect to really get the, get the juices going. All right. That team, you have to the sound of this Jeopardy theme song to come up with the answer. Be careful because whoever says it first gets it. Here we go. Remember of the order of operations, looking for this answer. You may kill the music. And that is correct. For 300 for everyone. By the way, you just doubled your score. It's not that exciting, but okay, it's going. Man's best friend for eternity. This dog breed is used as the token in Monopoly. What is a Scottish terrier? We're looking for terrier. I'm sorry, our judges already preconceived about this. 300 to 300 is tied up. And that team, what category would you like? Revelation? Wait, that's not even a category. <laughs> We're going to do resurrection scripture for 100. Resurrection scripture for 100. Maybe a tad early, Jesus resurrects this man after weeping. Well done for 100. So your uh, next one for 200. In Revelation, the tree of life's leaves are for this purpose. Of course. It is unfair that they have a pastor who's obsessed with Revelation. Obsessed with Revelation. For three, for three, for 300. In Matthew's account, 10 virgins are supposed to keep these trimmed while waiting the bridegroom's return. Well done. What are the wicks? The wicks, you're supposed to keep the wicks. We would also accept lamps. Lamps would also be an expected answer, but wicks, well done. And the last category, and we're all tied up 600 to 600. Out of time, out of time for 100. Definitely wrong. This denominational group was formed from a failed end time prediction from their leader in 1941. Doot, doot, doot. That was a sound effects. Who are the Jehovah's Witnesses? Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. For 200. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> For 200. This famous French prophetic voice in the 1500s predicted the whole world would end in 1999, but things kept partying on. Who is Nostradamus right here? And for 300, 12, 21, 2012 was a popular date for end timers due to a Mayan calendar expiring when this object would end earth on, or life on earth. 
What is a meteor? Well done. Well done. And with that, friends, a round of applause for all the participants. There are no winners in Bible Jeopardy. Only Jesus is the true winner. Well done. Well done. This is awful. I'm taking this off right now. Here's what we're going to do. And this is going to be a common theme through this sermon. I'm going to ask you a question. and I'm going to say it rhetorically, but I want you to answer it. When will the resurrection happen corporately? And you want to say, we don't know. We're going to try it here. Ready? When will the resurrection happen? We don't know. I want you to say it with a little bit of gusto because it helps us. I'll just go like this. Here we go. <laughs> when will the resurrection happen? Thank you, Chris. You're so kind. When will the resurrection happen? We don't know. But goodness, so many people have tried to gather others in a certain date or time or signs that the event is coming. Everyone who prophesied that Ronald Wilson, Reagan, who had 666 letters in his name, to Amazon's payment system, being the Antichrist, were also in the group of Roman emperors, who are many and ancient, who likened the end of days. World War II didn't bring it, neither did Napoleon, and the Crusades did not adjust the scales to quicken God's resurrecting us. Yet all of us have been linked to end times prophecy by general theological imbeciles. I'd like to use another name, but I'm on a, a, a holy place here. But here's what's amazing. And you've heard this, but you have to really listen to these verses from Mark 13. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign they're about to be fulfilled? But about the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. After a lot of discourse in between those two phrases, Jesus says, it's not about the when, it's saying be prepared when it happens. Jesus uses numerous parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke to illustrate alertness, including virgins trimming their wicks to make sure that they come out of the darkness to welcome the bridegroom. He emphasizes alertness and being ready to be aware and to be present in both this life and then awaiting the life to come. And here's a kicker, friends. Jesus' disciples believed that they would be resurrected and everything would be restored in their lifetimes. It's been a little while. So I see in the infant church, in the, in the church history, that first generation coming from the original 12, they're a little bit about like, what? I think, I think something's off a little bit here. What we have going on, thank you, my growth group, for making my watch go crazy and buzz. What we have going on here, what we have going on here is that people are so obsessed with knowing when this resurrection will happen. But when will the resurrection happen? We don't know. Thanks, congregation. And even they tried to hasten the coming of days, coming into Palm Sunday in such an awkward way. Consider this. Jesus, who's about to taste death, something that God should not do, should not have, he's about to become and take on the sin of the world, and to set a new standard of all life by inaugurating a new way of life and a new kingdom, all just small potatoes. I mean, this is Jesus, after all. He has a parade of people who are wooed by Lazarus' resurrection and shall praise only to be gone in five days. That crowd disappears. Thousands lying in the sheets shouting, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Five days later at his trial, at his crucifixion, only a couple remain. It's a nice gesture. It was kind of like Patrick Mahomes coming and accidentally playing a pickup game of football at Cobb Middle School. 
or Billy Joel tickling the ivories here on a Sunday morning. Vice President Harris leading a school board meeting for Tallahassee. Jesus has a heavenly parade of angels shouting praise to what he has done. And it's so somewhat misguided by these initial followers that they wanted something instead of authentically welcoming in Jesus, the God, instead of Jesus, this mysterious man from Nazareth who can do a miracle and might be able to help me a little bit on the side. But like normal humans, we succumb to little antichrists to try to pervert the end times with their own control. In talking about theological anthropology last week, our spirits are very willing. We get into contact with other people who start getting an idea of a when this is going to occur, and our spirits are just like, ooh, maybe they actually do know. Maybe God told them, but God didn't tell Jesus. It sounds ridiculous when I say this, but then we actually think about the history of Christianity and how awful the resurrection and the end times has been portrayed and taken so out of what it was supposed to be. More on that moment. See, our spirits are very willing to be swayed by suave or even aggressive predictions that we can somehow control when the end will happen. Like a child at Christmas, if we peek at the present before it's time to be opened, somehow this will help us? But in fact, it only makes the process of opening the present on Christmas all the more awful. I already know what I'm getting. So I'm supposed to now act surprised and it's awkward. Not that I've ever done that. When will the resurrection happen? We don't know. That was very unenthusiastic. Let's try it again. Let me, let, when will the resurrection happen? We don't know. People who want to somehow control this or, or massage it or somehow take advantage of it generally have these types of, 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 of characteristics. They want power. They don't want to somehow have someone else have more power than them. They want to have the power of controlling a bunch of people for their own purposes. Now, the reasons for that power are varied. If you go back to the Crusades, there was a whole children's crusade where if we take children, God's going to promise to bless them. So they had a whole army of children line up, and then they marched them into slavery in the neighboring country. That's really awful, right? But it was about this end time, that if we can take back the Holy Land, we take back Jerusalem, then Jesus will come back and restore all things. No, sorry, X, no. Not that way it's going to work. Secondly, they cause anxiety. If I tell you that the world is going to end in a week, you're going to have all sorts of things out of order in your own life, right? You're going to be doing things differently. You're not going to care about the stock market anymore. You're not going to care about coming to work probably anymore. Maybe some of you will say, we'll come back to work. I don't know. You're going to do things completely differently. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, this anxiety comes from an evil, awful place. Because third, these people pervert the belief in Jesus to some degree. They say, instead of Jesus controlling all things and God controlling all things, somehow I control this little bit of information and you can follow me and it's going to happen. We must be watchful. We must be alert. We must be waiting, but not out of fear, distrust, or anxiety. Even Hollywood, to a point, isn't above trying to take this anxiety about the end of the world and make millions of dollars off of it. Now, initially, in my, my notes today, I said, every Armageddon movie is wrong because some person survives at the end. But apparently, there's a couple movies that I was told that I don't know and I've never seen where literally everyone dies. But most of the time, it's either Bruce Willis, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're standing at the end because they're stronger than everybody else. And you say, okay, there's still hope for humanity. No, at the end... All things will be restored, and that is the hope. A teacher at Boys Town up in Omaha, Nebraska, which is a place where 
Displaced youth, youth who've been abused, youth who are the abusers. And it's a unique place of healing for so many kids. And I was a Protestant theology teacher because Boys Town is a Catholic institution. And so if you're a non-Catholic, they put you in my class. And so this is not a joke. I literally had a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Southern Baptist, and several kids who had no idea what they were, all in a group who were talking about God. It was beautiful. It was so amazing to talk about the richness and how big God is and how much God still cares for each one of them in their own horrible situations. And friends, their lives, their stories that they would share with me, I just can't even, it's just, shaped my soul. Their spirit of that room shaped my soul. I'm still in contact with many of them, and to see them grow in their relationship with God has been a beautiful blessing. But so many of them were so anxious about this end time date. And finally, I just, I can't, I remember it very clearly. I was so frustrated with them because they kept asking about the end time. I knocked over the stand where my notes were, and I was like, oh, that actually worked as a teacher. Good job, accidental cleanliness. And I said, if you're with the good guy, why do you worry about the bad guy? Why do you worry about the end if you're already following the good guy? You know the good guy in the end of the movie is going to win. You know Jesus already proclaims all this, and it's already done. And so much of that prophecy in Scripture that people point to has already been fulfilled. And so why are you anxious if you're following him? And I just remember all the students kind of shocked that I knocked over a stand because I'm not that kind of guy. They were like, oh. You know, it was one of those questions where we, we get so anxious about will I somehow survive on to the next life that it shows how small my faith really is. I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I never will be. And these leaders and preachers and coots will have a frenzy, who have a friend of these falling will be for a short term and sometimes even a long term often have great earthly successes. In contrast, the truths to consider when considering the kingdom of God and the general resurrection are these. Nothing I can do will speed it up or slow it down. I can't say a prayer. I can't do an act. I can't raise up an army. I can't do anything in my lifetime to make God's redemption plan go faster or slower. And secondly, that should bring peace. That finally, in my life, I don't have to do anything for this awesome thing to occur. How awesome is that? That Jesus shows up to the final battle. battle. He's wearing a white robe and wearing white to a fight. You don't want to do that. And he just says a word and it's all done. I mean, evil amasses this giant army in terms of revelation. And Jesus is just like, Meh. Done. You, you have to have peace about when the resurrection will occur because when it happens, done. And thirdly, biblically, it has a unified spirit as a topic. In terms of the entirety of scripture, it talks about the resurrection of the dead and when it occurs as a unified piece of knowledge. It's not here, there, everywhere. Through numerous different authors, numerous different books, it is portrayed that God has control over all the end times and our resurrection as a corporate body. And when that occurs, it should bring peace. Now, the question many of you are gonna ask is, but what about right now? What about those who have already passed? Do they just wait for this day? And what about my own faith in this circumstance? Well, several instances of scripture infer that there is no delay, even to the criminal who hung next to Jesus on that fateful Friday. He's told that today, meaning right now, he will join Jesus in paradise not when the resurrection occurs. 
And the equal amount of scripture infer that there's some sort of sleep that happens to those who have passed until they are fully resurrected. I don't say this only to comfort to those who are lost, nor do I say it with any sort of sarcasm or triteness or platitude. We have to rethink the idea and the concept of time. See, most of us woke up this morning and said, 10 a.m. is when E3 starts. So that means I have to get there at 10.30. You like how I did that? I love that we come late. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. 10 a.m. is when E3 starts on Sundays. And generally, we have 51 services per year outside of some sort of weird circumstance, which means that I'll live to be 100. That's a that's goal. The, the three-digit birthday. And if I only miss a fourth of those Sundays, which is much better than the statistical average this day and age, that means I'll go to church 3,825 times. Nobody's thinking that. Nobody's considering those, those statistics. And yet that's how our world orients itself. We come to church. We have these moments where the preacher wears a jacket, and I get excited because I get to shout at him. We have these moments where we have these these marches of time and they help keep things regulated in our general day-to-day lives. But when it comes to eternity, we have to rethink the order of operations. The order of operations. Just as you just couldn't shout out the answer because you had to look at the parentheses first. And you have to remember that you multiply and divide before you add and subtract. Some of you have no idea. You're like, God, that sounds familiar. (laughs) We have to think first that I'm in a timeline that there are no parallel universes and another Spider-Man's not going to come save me. There I'm in a timeline that starts when I'm born and then when I die. But then there's this other timeline happening that's eternity. And so if I'm asleep for 2,000 years, for 10,000 years, and then I wake up in this resurrected body in eternity and perfection, okay, I, I, I should be okay with that because you know what? It's eternity with Jesus. It's eternity with Jesus. Or when I die, if I go straight up and my soul is there and I'm with Jesus face to face, and that's personally just what I believe, but don't tell anybody. And I get to be with God and then I get to wait the resurrection of my body and then they're they're brought back together. Cool. See, scripturally, the overall narrative is that every soul is caught up with God the moment they leave their earthly body. And God will do the judging of those souls. But also scripturally, the overall narrative is that everybody awaits the resurrection of the dead. And I don't know if this is in some sort of other dimensional scientific plane we can't understand. I don't know. I don't even want to venture a guess. Here's my question. When will the resurrection happen for me personally? What I do know. (laughs) That was supposed to be much more enthusiastic. What I do know is that time does not have the same rhythms, effects, or meaning in eternity. As I said last week, it'll be the first time that everything feels right, perfect. And all that we have been yearning for since the very beginning will be fulfilled. So while I don't believe that we have to wait to meet Jesus in an earthly time, I'm sure that in a heavenly eternity, things will work out just fine for those that have already passed and for us too. Worry about it if we believe, is borrowing anxiety from something that should give us just as much, if not more, peace. So when will the resurrection happen for us individually? And we have to be better at saying that as Christians and acting upon that. The when isn't as important as a question in this. It is the who. Who will we be with? 
Yeah, Jesus. And if I'm with Jesus, that's all that matters. I think the initial crowd on Palm Sunday was so focused on the wrong motive and the wrong question about Jesus. They asked the when, not the who and what he was doing. What I do know is that the spirit of the deceased still survives in this world through all its interactions, through every impact they have made, and that should cause us to pause. It's like that order of operations, yet again, from that daily double. The world asks us only to consider the order of things that we have in our mind, where God asks us the much larger question, and the answer could not be more different. And this is not just a daily double for one person or group of people. This is all of us considering how we anticipate God's resurrection and how we can live differently in this life and that's happening all around us. This is good news, one that needs to be shared with fresh voices and authentic belief.